0: bestsellers, where we read about copy-pasted sparkly vampires so you don't have to. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And for this episode, we read Twilight, Life and Death, Stephanie Meyer. Uh, So this is going to be a a slightly different episode than we would normally do, which, sorry, that makes it now four weird episodes in a row, but what can you do?
1: We're experimental. We're like cereal. Okay. We're exactly like cereal, let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) To all of our millions of listeners who know that we're exactly like cereal.
0: (laughs) So instead of doing our usual book report, where we talk about the plot, and then playing our usual games, and having a guest on to discuss it uh, throughout, since we already covered the bulk of the plot of this book when we talked about Twilight, and we've now done Two episodes completely devoted to Twilight. We figured we would skip that and do sort of an abbreviated version. And instead, uh, Renata and I are going to talk a little bit about the book. And then later on, we're going to bring in some guests to answer some very specific discussion questions. Mm-hmm.
1: By the way, if you somehow have not heard of Twilight, Life, and Death, which if you're listening to this, you probably have, because when it was announced, we got like a hundred tweets about it, but if you (laughs) did not, which is great, by the way, I don't, I'm not complaining, please tweet at us about all Twilight news. Twilight, Life, and Death is the 10th anniversary edition of Twilight, which is a gender-swapped version of Twilight, where instead of Bella the Human falling in love with Edward the Vampire, we get Bo the Human falling in love with Edith the Vampire. And it's the exact same book, but with the gender swapped and some other weird changes made. But it's like 90% the same book, but with gender swapped. And it's it's something. It is definitely
0: interesting. <laughs> uh, for those of you who maybe haven't listened to any of our previous Twilight episodes, it should be noted that we are pretty much Stephanie Meyer apologists.
1: Yeah. I don't... It's not even... <laughs>
0: I don't I don't even like them. I don't even like the books, but I am really defensive about them.
1: Yeah, and I will mention uh, we have our guests coming on later. They're all pretty much either pro Twilight or at least Twilight neutral, and we thought about inviting somebody cuz I know, you know, there are people who I know and who I respect who just really hate Twilight and are very concerned about The abusive relationships that uh, it depicts and the influence that it has on girls reading it. And they're very, like, sincerely concerned about that. And I respect their opinion. And we kind of were like, should we have that reflected in this episode? And we ultimately decided no, (laughs) because... Partly because the people who immediately volunteered all kind of like Twilight, and we were like, well, this is already more guests than we normally have, so let's not add more to it. And then also partly because that's kind of the majority opinion, to, like, hate Twilight and be very concerned about it. So those people have, like, most of the rest of the internet. So if you're looking for, like, a really strong anti-Twilight opinion, just, like, Google Twilight. <laughs>
0: So because we're doing this different format, as I said, a lot of the games that we normally would play and our reader's advisory are not going to be taking place in this episode. Part of that is because Stephanie Meyer actually played one of our normal games for us in this book.
1: I could not be more delighted about it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Stephanie Meyer played the Rock Paper Snicked with us, you guys. I don't think she knew that she was, but she did.
0: She did. She put The Rock into the book. She wrote a new version of her own book with The Rock in it. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, there's, uh, you might have seen this tweet going on the internet because The Rock himself tweeted about it, but in the description of, oh, it's the description of Lady Emmett, I think. She described it as saying, like, beautiful, but, like, so tough that even The Rock wouldn't whistle at her. And The Rock tweeted it and said that he would whistle at her. (laughs) (laughs) Which is great. And so that's The Rock, isn't it? And then there's a new gender-swapped teenage boy named Logan, which, of course, is one of Wolverine's names. And I read that and I was like, who is this even supposed to be? And I had to look it up and her her girl name is Lauren in Original Twilight. She's a pretty minor, like, mean girl character, one of the few people who doesn't like Bella. And so it's actually kind of fitting for Wolverine to be, like, a male mean girl, I think. <laughs> So those people are in it, and Stephanie Meyer clearly did not pick paper because she did not leave the book as is. <laughs> she did, uh, which is
0: a really interesting too, because not only did she not she, she obviously you know in changing the pronouns and names of the characters, that was a change to the book, but there were also some like minor editorial changes too. We'll get to the end of the book and how that differs in a moment. But just like certain lines and certain scenes, because there were certain points where I pulled up my copy had of the ebook had both the original Twilight and Life and Death combined. The, the pr- by the way, the
1: print edition also has this. It is a gigantic brick of a book because it is
0: both, <laughs> both in one. So there were places that just, you know, for shits and giggles, I pulled up both passages together and there were some minor differences. Usually, like, it it was not just her find and replacing names and pronouns. Like, she rewrote the prose. She still told the same story, but the prose is actually different. So she did actually go through and rewrite her own book.
1: Yeah, and she she says that in the preview or in the introduction that... You know, there were things that had been bothering her since it was published, or things that she'd reconsidered, and now she had the chance to fix them. And one that infuriated me was that one of my very favorite parts of original Twilight is when she tells Edward to stop dazzling the waitress. (laughs) And Edith is not dazzling. Edith is hypnotizing. What the
0: fuck? I noticed that too. (laughs) Like, come
1: on. And then um yeah so there's other just sort of small word changes but because the original was so iconic it's like what the fuck are you doing like
0: also um they don't sparkle she doesn't when well she does still like glitter in the sun but the word sparkle is not used to describe her yeah uh, in the the meadow scene when they go out and she reveals herself to Bo for the first time in the sunlight
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of the stuff she changed is the stuff that's been sort of the most iconic about it. Like, also that speech that Bella gives, like, I knew three things. Like, one, I was irrevocably in love with Edward, and two, something, and three, he was a vampire. Like, she changed that a lot, and it sucks now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna actually find that. You keep talking about your thing. I'm gonna find that, because I'm so mad about it. Okay. i guess.
0: Yeah, uh, so... For instance, when there's also some interesting characterization changes, and I don't know if that's necessarily entirely because of the the gender swap or not, because clearly, even though she was essentially writing this version of the book, Uh, Well, let's back up a little bit. In case you didn't know, the reason that she did this, in addition to just being like, well, for shits and giggles, let's see what will happen, um, is that they wanted her to come up with something for the 10th anniversary of the book. And this was sort of her way of saying that all of the people who say that Bella is a useless damsel in distress are overreacting and that if she was a a guy, the same thing would happen.
1: Yeah. And I mean, she explicitly says that in in the introduction, this is not us extrapolating in any way. She is saying, you know, no, it's not sexist. And I want to show you guys that it is the exact same story with a girl vampire and a human boy,
0: which is arguably true. Yes. But so, but there are still some things that have to change because (laughs) just transposing the genders of the characters doesn't. There's still a lot of things that kind of rely on that in this sort of traditional high school story. So some of the the personality traits, especially of Edward slash Edith, kind of shift, and I can't help but wonder if that was at work, um, in that that iconic meadow scene where in the book. The first book Twilight Edward comes out and he takes off his shirt and he's glittering in the sun and like Bella's dazzled by him and his sparkliness and he's like showing off for her in this version Edith goes out into the sun and basically purposely trolls Bo and makes it look like she's going to die yeah <laughs> I'm kind of <laughs> <he's-> into
1: Edith <laughs> Uh, I found I found the thing that I'm mad about, and I'm going to read it to you. Okay. There were a few things I knew for sure. For one, Edith was an actual vampire. For another, there was a part of her that saw me as food. But in the end, none of that mattered. All that mattered was that I loved her more than I'd ever loved, or more than I'd ever imagined it was possible to love anything. She was everything I wanted, the only thing I would ever Like, that's the version she changed it to after having ten years think about it <laughs> and just for comparison the original is about three things i was absolutely positive. positive first edward was a vampire second there was part of him and i didn't know how potent that part might be that thirsted for my blood and third i was unconditionally and irrevocably in
0: love with him
1: like, that is iconic, and that is better than the other version.
0: Yeah, not only is it iconic, I kind of feel like it's better writing.
1: Yeah. I think some of the stuff she's,
0: like, been overthinking it. Yeah. I did notice that the stupid lion, masochistic lamb bit did not change.
1: Yeah, no, that stayed. Why change that?
0: Yeah. Why don't we talk a little bit about exactly what changed and what didn't change in the book?
1: Well, that changed. The the speech about three things that she knew for sure
0: changed. Yes. The genders of most of the characters changed.
1: Interestingly, Charlie and Renee, her parents did not change. And Stephanie Meyer explicitly said that was because she didn't think it was very likely that a single father would get custody of Bella. Which, in case you forget, her mom had custody of her up until high school and then... She was old enough to choose to go live with Charlie because her mom was going to be a traveling ba- baseball player's wife. Uh, her mom also is not great at parenting. So I feel like she could have just said, my mom's not great at parenting. So I, my dad got custody. But whatever, Stephanie. Yeah.
0: But I also, I the other thing that she said was that she felt like Bella wouldn't, or Bo, whoever, wouldn't throw their mother under the bus in order to prove that they were unfit to go live with her father. But that also, I mean, if they got divorced when she was only a couple years old, then how... Right. I don't
1: yeah, know. Uh, yeah. It would be... The, the, whatever. Yeah. It's the Same. And I'm fine with that because I love Charlie. So he's here. He's the same. There are some minor things that change, like... On the trip where Bella goes into Port Angeles with Jessica and Angela to buy dresses, that becomes a movie guy date with guy friends, because guys don't buy dresses, obviously.
0: And the people in Port Angeles in the original Twilight, a bunch of like creepy dudes come after Bella and in this version in an interesting bit of foreshadowing at the beginning of the book Bo who is also adorably clumsy trips into this like creepy looking biker tattoo couple and they're about to come at him until Charlie in his uniform like comes and stands over by Bo and they're like oh okay never mind no trouble here officer Mm -hmm. and in Port Angeles a bunch of people who that guy who Bo tripped into new came after him because they thought that he was an undercover cop.
1: Yeah, well, I guess they thought Charlie had been his partner as a non-undercover uh, cop. And so they remembered, I don't know, it's fucking dumb. But anyway, they're about to kill him and Edith the vampire saves him, which is interesting because that scene where Edward saves Bella, there is sort of a like, you know, it's It's not, like, an explicit rape threat happening, but it is, like, this uncomfortable scene happening, and with Bo and these bikers, it's just, like, it's more confusing than frightening.
0: Yeah, it was all very weird, so that changed. There were a couple other minor things, nothing too major that jumps out at me. Yeah, not till we get to the
1: ending, which is totally yes. different. And the ending is that, if you don't remember, the ending of OG Twilight is that Bella has been kidnapped by this bad vampire, James, and he's torturing her to try to get revenge on Edward. And Edward and Carlisle and all the good vampires come and rescue her just in the nick of time and save her. And they go to prom afterwards. Her excuse for being like, having the shit totally be out of her by Vampires and like whatever. She's like, I fell down some stairs, and everyone believes her because she's so clumsy, and that's very troubling to be honest. But <laughs> in this one, they don't get there in time, and Bo is turned into a vampire by the bad vampire, and they still kill the bad vampire who's a girl now and her name is Joss, which is kind of weird. Yeah. But Joss, the bad vampire. Or wait, do they kill Joss or does Joss escape? In OG Twilight, they definitely kill him.
0: I don't remember. I feel like they kill him. The major, the problem is that the major thing in that scene is that Joss had bitten Bo, but only on the tip of his finger. So it was very slow acting. And um in original twilight james bites bella but it just happened so they're able to suck the poison out of her Mm -hmm. but beau had left the airport to escape to go after joss the vampire because he thought that she had his mother i think five or ten minutes earlier than bella does yeah because of reasons and so they're five minutes later to save him and the poison has already had its time to work its way into his system.
1: Yep. So then this is very interesting because now the epilogue of OG Twilight, they're both called like an occasion or something. But the occasion of OG Twilight is they go to prom and the occasion of uh, Twilight Life and Death is they go to Bo's fake funeral and everyone, like, Charlie and Renee, everybody thinks that Beau is dead, and there that's, he's dead. <laughs> Which is interesting, because in Twilight Saga, like, we had four books of kind of preparing for, like, we knew Bella was going to become a vampire, and everyone would think she was dead, but then they don't. They kind of tell Charlie a sort of half-truth that she is, like, ill, and he still can hang out with her, and so that, it seems like that possibility is not open to Beau, and also, it's, it cuts off so much, it cuts off, you know, Renesmee, the the half-breed vampire child, is not going to come into existence, obviously, because now they're both vampires. And then
0: who is Julie, aka Jacob, going to fall in love with? Who? Interesting. I hadn't thought that, I hadn't thought it through that far. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, because Renesmee, the weird baby, is his soulmate, so now I'm concerned that his soulmate is never going
0: born to be born. Born. That's how upset I am. <laughs> <laughs> An interesting thing about Julie that I actually like, I did, if I remember correctly, I did like Jacob more in the first Twilight book. I had mixed feelings about him in New Moon. And if you are interested in hearing those, you should listen to our like two and a half hour long drunken New Moon episode. <laughs> yeah, you'll get all the
1: tea on New Moon in that episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but Julie, I actually checked this none of Julie's dialogue or characterization changes from Julie to Jacob. Like a lot of the other characters, they tweak things to like give them more feminine or masculine interests. But Julie's dialogue stays exactly the same as Jacob's. She's still really interested in cars and building cars and doing mechanic stuff. And she still has like that sort of instant crush on Bo. Mm-hmm. That Jacob has on Bella. So yeah, it is interesting that if there is no baby in this one, what that says about her like instant attraction to Bo.
1: Right, and then also I'm kind of wondering if if Julie will even become a vampire because it seems like now that the Collins are all there, werewolf.
0: If Julie will ever even become a werewolf? Yeah, you said vampire.
1: Right. Oh, sorry. Well, maybe she'll become a vampire. (laughs) Maybe that's the difference um yeah so i don't know i'm very concerned about julie a whole book about julie and like a van god damn it and a werewolf girl gang led by julie and also instead of harry clearwater it's holly clearwater who is which is interesting because they kept charlie the same so now he has this very close friendship with with the lady, Holly, and I kind of shipped them, which I guess I could have shipped him and Harry, but I didn't really. <laughs> on me. So, but now Holly is supposed to be the head of the werewolves and sh- and she's the one giving all these dire warnings. I don't know. I, I would like more about that and maybe we'll get it in another 10 years.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was really, I, I liked Julie a lot and I liked, uh, that's the interesting thing. The thing that I'm having trouble looking at and figuring out how much of it is me, how much of it is the book, and how much of it is, like, society that mm-hmm. I found Beau very unlikable, very annoying, very boring, kind of creepy in a way that Bella was probably, like, even though Bella was doing the same things, it wasn't creepy from her perspective
1: to me. Right, I feel very defensive of Bella and, like, protective of her and if Bo, I'm like, fucking whatever.
0: Exactly. And <laughs> I didn't care about Edward particularly. And I loved Edith. Yeah. Like, and part of that was the narrative shifts that had to be made. Um, obviously, there's a difference between someone who has been a man for 200 and however many years and someone who's been a woman for 200 and however many years and how even now they fit into society. Mm-hmm. But I thought that Edith was a lot kind of sharper than edward was yeah and kind of more defensive and meaner but in a a good way yeah like have you
1: seen twife
0: or death no it's
1: uh we'll link to it it's a project that's combining twilight and life and death and just to turn it into lesbian twilight so it's bella oh and God, edith that's amazing I know. So we'll link to that. And I think that's like what we all want. Yeah. Along with a companion novel about Julie and the werewolves. Oh my God. Julie of the werewolves. Make it happen. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> uh Be right back. I have to register julieofthewerewolves.tumblr.com. Nobody will take that. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably already taken.
0: <laughs> But, yeah, like, I really liked Edith. I was really into, like, those shifts of characterization. I was really into how Carlisle's story changed yes, slightly. Yes, I was just going
1: to say that. Oh, well, because Carlisle, if you'll recall, is Dr. Vampire, Vampire Doctor. And, oh, uh, what's her name? Carmilla? That's not it.
0: It's, like, either, it's either Corrine or Karen.
1: I, oh, okay, yeah. I'm going to call her Corinne. Um She she also had all this medical knowledge but she had to work as a nurse for a long time because she was a lady and so she would kind of like try to secretly help patients because she knew she was better than the doctors and you know now she can be a doctor because now it's modern times but she did have this kind of interesting history that was and i mean i liked carlisle as a character fine but even more interesting when when she is Current.
0: And one of the few shifts from female to male that I was really into was actually Esme into Ernest, yeah, because all of the things of Esme that like were so traditional lady whatever in... The Twilight books like you know she's very maternal and she doesn't participate in the baseball game she just watches and she like takes care of Bella and she just wants everyone to be happy she wants all her kids to be happy all of those things are the same in Ernest he you know doesn't play baseball he sits out and and calls the game while Corrine is playing and you know he just he likes Bo because he thinks that Edith really needs someone and it's important to him that she's happy and He still has that like very strong paternal kind of taking care of all of his kids and everybody else and like kind of the calm of the storm, which is not something that you necessarily normally see in father figures in YA, I would say, or even like regular straight dudes in books.
1: Yeah, so that was cool. I liked Ernest. And it also made me, I hadn't really thought about Esme that much. She was a stay-at-home mom, right? Like, or did she have a job?
0: I think she was a stay-at-home mom. Yeah,
1: so Ernest, I guess, is a stay-at-home dad. I didn't see any mention of his job.
0: Yeah, no, they talk about how whenever they move to a new town, he's the one who, like, finds them a house and fixes up the house for them and, like... You know, make sure the kids get enrolled in school if they want and takes care of, like, all of the household administrivia.
1: Go Ernest.
0: Yes. I'd read a book about Ernest, too.
1: Mm-hmm. Ernest, Ernest could maybe negotiate the treaty with Julie of the werewolf. Yes. <laughs>
0: <sighs> one of the shifts from male to female, another one that I didn't like or vice versa, from female to male that I didn't like was, I felt like we lost a lot of Alice and Alice and Bella's relationship in turning Alice into Archie. And I I can't remember, it's been a while since I've read the first Twilight. It was the last time I read it was when we read it for this podcast, Mm -hmm. you know, 38 bad books ago. Mm -hmm. And I like, I feel like Alice and Bella were actually friends, whereas Archie and Beau's relationship is really pasted on. Like when they're hiding from the tracker vampire basically Archie's like, Oh, like I feel like we've been friends forever because of my special ability to see visions of the future. Like it just feels like we've been friends for decades. So, you know, I love you and you're my best friend. And but was like, Oh, well now that I know that I love you and you're my best friend too. And that's basically the full development of their relationship.
1: Yeah. I think maybe also it was trying to rush it all into one book though. Because I don't think, I think you're remembering a lot of Alice and Bella from New Moon, maybe. I mean, I I guess they probably are more of Friends, but she's not in Twilight as much as later books. Although that's something that I think Caroline is definitely going to want to talk about more, because she is a big fan of Alice and Archie, I assume. So maybe let's put a pin in that.
0: One of the other interesting narrative changes that came, I think, from shifting all of the the genders of the characters was that when we're reading twilight the first time you know it's i mean probably not necessarily a surprise especially now that it's such a phenomenon but we're with bella like bella is our intro character bella is our you know kind of our self-insert into the story and in this i feel like it really shifts to edith like, even though Bo is still theoretically our POV character and our introduction into the story, I feel like we're really meant to have Edith be our fantasy self-insert character in the narrative.
1: Oh, that's interesting. And probably true.
0: Yeah. And um, it's, it's, I, I was really fascinated by that. And it's because I mean, especially because so many people give Bella such shit for being a quote unquote, Mary Sue, which sidebar everyone who uses that term uses it incorrectly like all arguments about who's a mary sue and what dictates a mary sue and like if an original character can be a mary sue are all pointless because an original character can't be a mary sue a big part of being a mary sue is that you are an original character inserted into an already established canon
1: yeah you can't be a mary sue in any published work Yeah, you got to be in
0: fan fiction to be Mary Sue. um, Mary Sue is the person who is the new student at Hogwarts, who's a better, who's smarter than Hermione, and funnier than Ron, and has a more tragic backstory than Harry, and everyone immediately loves. Harry Potter is not a Mary Sue because it's his story. Bella Swan is not a Mary Sue. He's not a Mary Sue. He's
1: a protagonist.
0: Bella is a protagonist. Bella Swan is not a Mary Sue. It's her story. Um. There's one thing that
1: I'll link to. Um, This is from friend of the show Jenny's blog. She was reviewing the book Fangirl's Guide to the Galaxy by Sam Megs, which it's, you know, I like Sam Megs' blog and, like, her writing, but this book, and it's supposed to be, like, a guide for fangirls on how to, like, go to cons and, like, do cosplay and all this stuff, and it's supposed to be, like, especially aimed at teen girls. And on the cover of it, it says, Be Buffy, not Bella. And it's, and, and we'll link to it and Jenny has this like very smart kind of rant about like why that's not acceptable and how there probably are a lot of girls who would maybe be interested in that book who do like Twilight because a lot of people like Twilight and to just, you know, write it off so immediately and so casually and to say like Buffy is better. And I, and I do yeah. like Buffy, but.
0: They're totally different stories that serve totally different purposes and, pitting one group of fans against another especially one group of fans who more or less is a fan of romances as opposed to as is a fan of fantasy television shows Mm -hmm. is not necessarily the coolest thing that you could do to teenage girls
1: hey do you think stephanie meyer changed uh james to joss for joss whedon probably (laughs) not but i'm starting that rumor right here <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was the thing that most confused me about the shift from James to Joss is that probably I don't know if Joss was a female name at some point I know that Joss I think is a nickname of his for something else I probably knew this 20 years ago when I was obsessed with Buffy and it was my life but I don't anymore but right now I would say the most famous person that anyone thinks of whose name Joss is Joss Whedon yeah, well, or Joss Stone I don't know who that is
1: she's a singer
0: oh okay well alright I don't know a lot about music, so you're probably right.
1: <laughs> I mean, I think, I don't know. It depends who you ask. Like, Joss Whedon, for a lot of people, still is the most famous Jaws, But Joss Stone's kind of up there. Um, right, I'll give it to her then. I was Googling the word Joss to see like what kind of name that is. Maybe I'll Google Joss name. You keep talking about your thing. I'm going to do this Google.
0: Uh, yeah. So Edith putting Edith in. It's very interesting to see after having seen the original Twilight and seeing Edward and seeing his personality and all of his powers and the thrall that Bella goes into in his presence to shift all of those character- characteristics to a woman. But like, you can't, I mean, first of all, as we established, you shouldn't be calling her a Mary Sue anyway, but literally she's the same character as Edward with a few changes made narratively for the sake of the gender switch. Like she has all the same powers. She has the same general personality and she puts Bo into a thrall the same way that Edward does to Bella And I mean, I know that basically every smart person on the internet has been saying for years, like, it's only a Mary Sue if it's a woman, if it's a male, it's the protagonist. But like, I feel like that's a really big blinking sign that proves that, I would say.
1: Update on the name Joss, a shortened form of Jocelyn, popular in England and Wales, according to BehindTheName.com. And my favorite thing is it says Joss pronounced Jaws. Which I feel like it's not quite, but that's awesome.
0: (laughs) The names were weird. I think that part of it is because I'm not a huge Twilight fan. So I wasn't sure ever who anyone was. I kept having to look it up because I couldn't remember what everyone's relationship was to each other. Mm. Or like who any of the kids at school were. But a lot of the names were not necessarily the names that I would have chosen for peak... Tracking and readability.
1: Well, and we'll link to a list. It's it's it just a list of the gender swap names if you just want to go through. I think with the vampires especially, she was specifically trying to pick names that were as, like, conspicuously old-timey as... So like, I know you were saying like Archie, like that's kind of weird and it is, but it is definitely like conspicuously old timey, like a hundred year old person might have for a
0: name. The biggest ones for me were Rosalie to Royal and Emmett to, what was it, Eleanor? Yeah. Which Eleanor, like that's fine, like that's a normal name, but I feel like Eleanor is as old timey as something like Emmeline or Emily. Which sound like Emmett and would make it easier for someone like me to figure <laughs> out who it was.
1: But Emily, I mean Emily is old timey, but I feel like Emily is still much more popular. Like that's true. Yeah, and Royal. Yeah, I I kind of liked Royal. I don't know. My main <laughs> association with Royal is a uh, little house in the prairie. So I was like, that is an old timey name. Good job. <laughs> and I liked it for Brosalie, because like because she is such like, a queen bee so like royal is pretty good <laughs> i'm defending stephanie meyer the house down.
0: <laughs> oh what is this show if not defending <laughs> books and authors who we don't actually like
1: <laughs> oh well also we defend hamilton from like the one person on the internet attacking it <laughs> it's
0: true i don't know who that person is i never want to meet them
1: <laughs> well they can fight us bro <laughs>
0: Guns drawn
1: Alright I think we covered pretty much all the main points That we wanted to cover And now we'll bring on Our first to talk about it That sounds good (laughs) Alright, let's do that
0: Joining us for the Discussion portion is Samuel Teenage male and perennial Pedantic asshole Welcome Samuel Hi, Uh,
2: thanks, it's good to be here
1: we're excited to have somebody who's sort of in the actual intended audience of this book.
2: Uh, yeah. uh, um.
1: <laughs> Age-wise, anyway? I, I guess? I mean, you're a teenager.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tell um. us
1: tell us what the youth think. <laughs>
2: oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Speak
1: for your generation. No. Oh, <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. Anyway, it, it's good to be here, is my point.
1: Yes, <laughs> and- Uh, Again, we are happy to have you here. Before we go into our discussion questions that we'll be asking everyone, I'm just curious, were you a Twilight fan in general, or just interested in this revamped version, or what, what brought you to Twilight Life and Death, Samuel?
2: Okay, so back when the original Twilight came out, I was not a fan. I picked it up in a bookstore, I read a little bit, and I thought to myself, this is not a good book. I do not like this prose. I do not like this storytelling. I am not getting this book. I put it down <laughs> and walked away. Smart <laughs> and that was that was just my philosophy regarding the series for a while. and um I decided at this point, if the author has decided that there are things that should be changed, I might as well give it a chance for better or worse.
1: So you, you read the Life and Death version first, then? I
2: did. I did.
1: Oh, that's so interesting. All right. Well, with that in mind, I guess we'll ask our first discussion question, which is that in the introduction, Stephanie Meyer's stated goal of Life and Death is to show that it doesn't matter what gender Bella is. It matters that it's a love story between a human and a vampire. Did she accomplish this goal? Why or why not?
2: I mean... It's a love story between a human and a vampire, so I guess she accomplished it. It's just, um, there are certainly a bunch of small things in the story that are different because we're Bo is a guy, and there are enough changes to where it's a different story, certainly, but I think she accomplished her goal in general.
1: Okay, next question. Uh This is... This is a tough one, I think, personally, but we'll see. Uh, Stephanie Meyer also says in the introduction, there were two characters in the wider Twilight universe who really got the shaft in an ongoing sense. So instead of doing a swap with these characters, I gave them a coup. What do you think she's talking about?
2: To be honest, I read Life and Death first. The print version, it's got two the two books together. So when you flip it over to the other book, when I started reading the original... It was so effectively similar that it just wasn't enough to keep me all then interested. And so I mostly skimmed through it, and I have no idea what she's talking about.
1: I mean, me neither. That's kind of why I wanted to ask everyone else. Wait, wait, it's not Charlie and Renee, right?
0: No, no because she said
1: them separately. Yeah. Because...
0: Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know either, <laughs> and I, I mean, I... I only read the original Twilight like one and a half or two times with years in between them. And it's been years since I read the, I don't know. I I bet somebody who's a bigger fan will be able to figure it out. But I, and if it was like a minor character whose name I didn't know, I don't understand how that was giving them a coup.
1: Right. Well, she the the whole thing that she says about it is, uh, I gave them a coup. It adds nothing to the story. It was just me being weird and indulging my neurosis. What, though? Okay.
2: I feel like that's just generally the theme of, you know, an author coming back to a book ten years later and rewriting it by changing genders is pretty much all about being weird and indulging their neurosis, is it not?
1: <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> Well, if if none of our guests can identify this person, I'm going to Google it later, because I'm sure somebody on the internet knows. Yeah. Not us. Nope. (laughs) Okay. Stephanie Meyer also says, by the way, I'm obsessed with the introduction that she wrote to this explaining why she did it. (laughs) I think it is, like, the best part of the book. But in this introduction, she says, 5% of the changes were made because Bo is a boy, 5% 5% because Bo is less angry and, quote, more OCD than Bella. So I note, he is not actually OCD. He is tidy. 70% were because she got to fix every word that has bothered her since the original publication. 10% were things that she wished she had done the first time but hadn't occurred to her at the time. 5% were mythology mistakes, uh, specifically regarding Alice's visions. And 5% catch-all. Do you think that sounds right, or do you have a different breakdown of how the changes came about?
2: I mean, it's relatively close, but I don't think that's- I'm gonna go off a little bit here. Please do. I don't think that's how the changes should have been made. As a teenage guy who tried romance at one point or another,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: I feel like there's a lot- I feel like the book pays a lot less attention to some aspects than I feel you, Beau, would as a character- Um,
1: Oh, go on. Like, what?
2: Like, when he's trying to be romantic with Edith, with Edith, either he's not paying enough attention to the romance, or it's just not written well. And I feel like that might have been carryover from the original, but it's just, it's something that I would have changed, personally. Although there's a lot of that, so.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I wonder how much of it... Because I think there is definitely a different um, a different dynamic Dynamic where in or- original Twilight, we've got Bella, who is so thirsty and really wants to get done with Edward. And he's like, no, I'll crush you. And it's, it's a little different because of the gender there. And, you know, sort of the cliche of teenage romance is that it's the guy who's, like, pressuring the girl. And in this case, it's kind of the opposite. So I wonder if in the gender swap, she was kind of like, oh, well, I, I don't want... Bo to be like that kind of guy, but Edith's still a vampire, so there's still that happening
2: i I feel like you might be right. I feel like she tones down Bo without turning without turning down Edith the same amount because Edith is still pretty defensive about it, so I'm not exactly sure where she was going, but it works well enough yeah it it functions. <laughs>
1: Twilight, it's functional that should be in the cover flap, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm thinking about it now, and I feel like without ever having been a teenage boy, um having known teenage boys <laughs> <laughs> i I yeah, I kind of agree that like Bo never seems as into it as I would imagine he should be, or he would if if it was you know a real life sort of, i mean obviously vampires etc but it is not as into it as i would expect it to him to be and i obviously i'm sure part of that is because of the whole vampire thing and with the switching of the genders having him seem really overbearing would be kind of gross and also but having her seem kind of overbearing wouldn't work because of the whole vampire thing and now i'm like really fascinated in If anyone has taken this as a study of as characterizing Bo as asexual.
1: Hmm. Yeah, because I I was going to say how he talks about Edith, it reminds me of some kind of like classical type where he doesn't it's like very chaste and he just wants to like build sculptures of her but not like touch her. It's like some kind of like medieval epic shit happening.
0: Yeah, I wish I wish I had thought about this before. Now, if you're Ace and you're listening to this and you want to talk to us about it, uh, you should send us an email. <laughs>
1: we'll do we'll do more episodes about Twilight. That's our brand. <laughs> 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 uh, okay. To,
2: to me, it's kind of interesting that you bring up the whole almost medieval thing behind that, because I I wonder how that relates to the fact that. Vampires, you know, have been around for a while. If he's maybe trying to take that into account in his attempts at romance, That's I'm not nice. sure I'm willing to give him that much credit though.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> weird though, we can all agree on that. Yes. Yes, yes we can. <laughs> all right, next question. Um at the top of the show we, are, we outlined the difference between the ending of Original Twilight and Life and Death. Uh which ending do you prefer?
2: I actually really like the ending. Um,
1: of life and death? or Of life
2: and death, yeah. Um, I thought it was really well done. I like how it was a diversion from the original and it just went down a different path. And to be honest, I would read another book based on Bo and Edith. I would. Oh, me too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's different enough to where I think there are way more avenues open for good storytelling. You know, it's just more interesting.
0: I feel like a sequel to life and death would have a much stronger plot than the sequels that exist to Twilight as I've read them. Um, Like I read new moon and it just seemed to be a lot of waiting and a lot of not much happening. And then the plot picks up in like the last 75 pages. But I think that getting rid of this whole, You know, will he make me a vampire? Will she make me a vampire? Won't she make me a vampire? Does she love me? Does she not? Like, I'm pulling away from her. And then just making it another story about them building a life and their adventures would, by definition, have to be a more interesting book.
1: Although I don't know, because having Bo be turned, it eliminates any of the conflict with the Vulture. Like, they've got no beef there because... a vampire done um they're not gonna get pregnant because they're both vampires now uh i guess the only thing it did seem like the werewolves were a little bit mad but i think that they agreed that the treaty wasn't broken because it was trying to save bo from the bad vampires so that eliminates kind of all the conflicts that were and Conflict is kind of a strong word for what actually happens in the plots of those other <laughs> books. But I don't know. Maybe I guess... would adopt a baby. A thing, yeah, but... I
0: guess I'm looking at it as outside of what's already happened in the Twilight books. And more, it would open up an avenue to new storytelling without having to worry about all of those other things. Uh, like, I absolutely. feel like... We- give her an opportunity to do something new and different and exciting that is not the plot that we actually get of the waiting and the Volturi and the passive-aggressiveness with the werewolves and the all of that.
2: Well, I mean, to me, even if you still want to involve the werewolves and the Volturi, what you could do is have the werewolves get annoyed for some reason. for Say that one of the... Hunter vampires from outside the Cullen family comes and attacks a werewolf, not knowing of the treaty, and then the treaty is null and void, and you have a werewolf-vampire war on the streets of Forks. Oh yeah, I'd read that. That would be fascinating.
1: I guess that's kind of like the the Julie of the Werewolves book that I wanted earlier.
2: (laughs) Because that's that's
1: another interesting thing that's not addressed at all, is how all the werewolves are girls now, and I'm hella into that.
2: Absolutely. Anyway.
1: Um, okay, good. So, got the ending covered. Um, Samuel, the time has come. Do you have a moral of the story and any other closing thoughts to share about Twilight, Life, and Death?
2: Okay. Well, I feel like this book should be read in high school classrooms across America. Ooh. Not as a good book.
1: (laughs) (laughs) As, like, a creative writing?
2: As an example of what you can do. With a good story executed poorly. (laughs) This is what happens when you do not practice your prose.
1: (laughs) So are you saying that for homework, high schoolers should write Twilight fan fiction? To, like, try to fix it? Because I'm into that.
2: I'm not saying no to that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I
1: would take that class. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. E.L. James would take that class. And pass i guess i don't know i feel like el
2: james (laughs) might teach that class uh
1: yeah i I don't i wouldn't maybe let her into high schools but (laughs) yeah
2: yeah yeah okay
1: but she could teach the college level and i'll teach the high school level and i'm qualified for that obviously
2: (laughs) (laughs) well you're the one who has to grade all of it
1: (laughs) oh no (laughs) At the end of every page, I'll just write kudos and no grade.
2: <laughs> and my moral of the story is don't be seduced by the dark side, unless they're really hot. Like, really, really hot, okay? Like, yeah. Okay, <laughs> other than that, no. But, you know. yeah.
1: I think that's also the moral of the new Star Wars movie. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's I- true
1: like kylo ren just he wasn't hot enough to seduce ray are we allowed to have star wars spoilers yet
2: We've yeah it's been like should. a month no yeah fine
0: <laughs> i mean i guess by the time this goes up it will have been over a month since star wars came out i don't know maybe we should put a warning okay <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, okay, well, thank you so much for joining us, Samuel, and sharing your teenage perspective on Twilight Life and Death.
2: Actually, I know, I know people aren't necessarily doing the candy fair thing, but can I have just a moment?
3: Yes, of course. Yeah, okay.
1: absolutely.
2: So, I just want to put a word in for many Mr. Good bars, because I feel like <laughs> they've been given a bad rap. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, admittedly... They're not to everyone's taste. They may not be the best thing. But for the people who like them, you know, they have a good supportive community around them that can really back them up. And that's okay. You can let some people have that. You don't need to put down mini Mr. Goodbars, okay?
1: <laughs> <laughs> is, is the community surrounding Mr. Goodbars, is that like the mini Crackles and the mini Regulars? Or no, do you- this, is
2: an, an- like this is an analogy.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, I'm trying to I'm trying to follow it out.
2: <laughs> it, it's just a bad analogy. And yeah.
0: That's all on me. That's all on me. I think they're garbage. Sorry. I'm sorry to the mini Mr. Goodbar community.
2: You're but... willing to defend this book. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, here's the thing, Samuel. I don't know if you've noticed, but we're kind of Miss Andrus around here. So I think if they were Ms. Goodbars, we'd be all about it. Oh, but okay, of the okay, of the candy that. mix, Mr. Goodbar is the only gendered one in there.
2: That's You're true. Not I respect that. Okay.
1: Oh, so what what the candy pairing for this book should be would be a gender swapped Mr. Goodbar. So and Ms. <laughs>
0: Goodbar, <laughs> right? Yeah. (laughs) Great. Nailed it. Thank you to Samuel for joining us. And our next guest is a returning favorite, Twilight enthusiast and erstwhile creative writing teacher, Caroline. Hi, Caroline. Hi. Welcome back.
4: Thank you. I've been excited about this. And by that, I mean, I had to read this shit over my (laughs) Christmas vacation. And I don't think it's even a book. Like, I mean, it definitely was as long
1: as a book, however what do you what is it
4: you know I don't like it's not even fan fiction because it doesn't change enough but the ways it changes are confusing and I did also I read it because for some reason I bought two copies of this because I had to (laughs) I I have had the um you know the Twilight ebook from way back so I had that on my phone and then I had to buy the Double edition of both of these so a lot of times I was pulling up my phone Twilight to compare to my Kindle Twilight <laughs> and that was just like it, it like it was like an intertextual experience without necessarily any 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 of the the benefits you might think of that of that having I don't know
1: it's like it's like this Stephanie Meyer signed up to do Remix and this was her first time and she wasn't sure about the rules, so she decided to be just very literal about it. Oh, up until we, the last chapter.
4: Have we talked I guess you guys probably talked about remix on the on the gray show.
1: At some point I know yes. we've talked about remix. Because
4: yeah, I mean I've I've participated and I've read the these and I always hate it when you're just like like, oh, that was a good story. I wonder what the remix is. And you realize it's literally just the same dialogue. But I I actually remember I took a creative writing class when I was like in eighth grade. It was at one of those summer nerd camps. And we had to write a scene of dialogue and then it was, you know, graded and given back. And then we had to rewrite it from a different character's point of view. So I had written a dialogue between me and my sister, supposedly. And then I wrote one, I guess, where my sister was the protagonist and I was the antagonist. It was like we were fighting over one of us had borrowed each other's clothes and we were mad at each other in this story. And then when I got my second one back, the teacher was like, I did not understand some of the changes that you made. And I'm like, well, oh, I didn't actually look at what I had written in the first one. And I guess their idea was that we were just supposed to rewrite the same dialogue with other things around it. And I didn't do that. I just kind of went for what I remembered and wrote more of it. So this kind of was was both of those things at the same time. It was like the – it was the – this is exactly the same. What's the point in reading this or this changed, but I don't understand why it changed. So
1: Right. Either it was like, well – I guess roughly it was like a third changes I liked, a third, it was not a change, and a third, why did you do this?
4: Uh, oh, so are, were we going to do a percentage breakdown of Yeah, but that's a different
1: a- percentage. Okay, okay, okay.
4: Because first is
1: a percentage of, of what kinds of changes, and I'm just like saying percentages of if I like them or not. Okay, okay, that's fair, <laughs> that's fair. So, all right, well, with that said, I guess let's move into our formal discussion questions. Uh, The first one is, Stephanie Meyer's stated goal with life and death is to show that it doesn't matter what gender Bella is. It matters that it's a love story between a human and a vampire. Did she accomplish this goal? Why or why not?
4: Yeah, I, I don't think she did for one thing because, like, the ending totally changed. And then she even has a note that says, the ending doesn't change because of gender. So it's like, okay, but that doesn't show that it's the same story. It also completely ig- ignores the fact that if you would had continued going with the story as it was written, it would have been extremely gendered because it involves Bella getting pregnant. Exactly. You guys read Bitch Planet, but you probably don't read the issues, do you?
1: I read them digitally.
4: Okay, because the most recent, there was a thing about, there was an essay about gender something, and I can't think of what it was, but like gender patterns or something like that. So the, at the essay in the back by Danielle oh gender schemas so it's actually the essay is not, is by somebody named Debbie Chakra and she writes about gender schemas which basically from what i understand of it and this is going to be my like really you know dumb bad understanding of anthropology or whatever is that when you read a story you kind of take in your pre conceived ideas of gender and the story either goes with those or goes against those and i think that when she was rewriting this she really didn't realize how much of the stuff in the original story was gendered she just thought it wasn't Mm -hmm. like the whole just for example the story of the thing that really hit me was um the thing where in the first in the original twilight when Bella has like three or four dudes asking her to prom, yeah, it's like that becomes actually sort of creepy and unsettling because there's sort of these guys are just kind of invading her space, and she doesn't want it, and she keeps saying no, and it's hard for it to do that where it's a boy that has a lot of hot girls who want to go out with him without it kind of it's auto, that's automatically programmed to be comedy, right? You know, it's like and but. The book did it and you can make that because there's a Buffy episode that does that where Xander like gets a love potion on him and the girls start pursuing him. And at first he thinks it's great and then it gets more and more aggressive. So that I think is an example of actually being aware of the gender schema and subverting it. And then she just I don't think realized that I think actually a lot of what's appealing about Bella in the first place or to the extent that you, I mean, I think I did say in the first time I was on here, she she's a total asshole. Yes, but she's kind of because she's in that position of this girl who goes into this strange setting and has all these boys kind of like automatically like sizing her up as prey. That you sort that there's sort of some kind of strength that comes out of that and of her character, and this guy just doesn't have you know he, he's kind of like a marshmallow because. Partly because Edith's character is rewritten, so she's a lot less aggressive, for one thing. So, like, that's just, she's more polite. She doesn't try to, um, you know, just, she doesn't insist on having her. And I, although I feel like even if you have a girl who's doing that, who's really attractive, it's still going to kind of code that, oh, she's dominant and he's into it if he's not pushing back. But definitely, I just, I Bo kind of comes across as a marshmallow Mm-hmm. because he's he he doesn't really, there's not really a story that I see in my mind that he fits into of this new boy in town and then there's the hot girl of this. And I guess like maybe, it's you know, it's not even like the manic pixie dream girl thing because there's just not enough, there's not enough tension going on there with the two of them. So that was kind of how I felt.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, one thing we talked about with Samuel was how, when you have it the other way around it was interesting and this was admittedly more in the later books than in the first twilight mm-hmm. but we had bella who was like really thirsty and edward being like the one who was like no no sex before marriage and that's a little bit of a flip like right normally you would expect it to be the other way around and so now i think if you were to have Bo be, like, there's just a different, it would be more gross, I think, if Bo were, like, super horny for Edith.
4: Right. And we never get to that point. And actually, and I was discussing this with somebody, I was like, I'm kind of glad I'm not on the same show as the teenage boy guest, so I'm not having this conversation. But, like, <laughs> there were, like, no boners in this book. None. And I'm just like, I'm like, yeah, I read things with teen male protagonists, but there's at least something oblique about how horny they are in these situations and it's just not there at all
0: not at all that was something else that came up in our conversation with samuel that i actually have already talked to someone else about exploring further which is that in the effort i think by stephanie meyer to not make this like a gross teenage boy who's salivating over a beautiful girl they took out in, from my perspective, it's not like the affection that he seems to feel for Edith is kind of like putting her up on a pedestal. It's not like a sexual attraction. And it it doesn't even at times feel like a romantic attraction. It's like worship. Mm-hmm. And um, it's so I, I couldn't help when we were talking to Samuel start to think about it through the lens of Beau somewhere on the asexual spectrum because it just doesn't come up. It's like, even when they talk about sex, it's very clinical and he's not, he's not super disappointed. He's not super excited. It's just like, Oh, this is the way things are. And like, they move on. So yeah,
4: not that I really want a, a, book by stephanie meyer with a male protagonist but i at least feel like if she had kind of built this character from the ground up he would end up looking different
1: Mm -hmm. although i do have to say i have read a fair number of like you know realistic contemporary fiction with a ya male narrator and after a while it gets to be like a little gross like oh it's totally gross like i'm sure You know, those have their audience, and that's great, but, like, for me as an adult lady reading them, it's like, you know what, I've heard enough about your boner. So it was kind of refreshing that Bo was not thinking about his boner at all, but because that is so prevalent in the typical teenage male narrative, it was like, well, what, like, what would give you a boner if it's not Edith?
4: I mean, I almost feel like if you wanted that to be a thing, just like I'm not being gross, there's kind of a way you could probably phrase it where he's – where something about this character's voice is that he's sort of polite and well-mannered and reserved and he wouldn't talk about that stuff. But he's not even like thinking about it. You know, it's not – so that's – and right. whereas, whereas I think what signals that a girl is thinking about sexual attraction is a lot more subtle and a lot more confusing, even just, you know, in reality. So
0: that's... But I mean, even subtlety aside, I feel like when I read the original Twilight, like it was very clear to me that she wanted to bang that vampire. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> very, very clear. Uh-huh. Even if she didn't come out and say, I want to bang that vampire, like, mm-hmm. it... It was very clear in the text whereas with him I mean like he goes to all this this extent of saying like oh there's never been any other girl who has made me feel like this and that I, f- I thought was this beautiful and if she hates me then I guess I'm just broken forever because I'll never be able to be with another woman because I'll just compare them to her but then like once they're together like that seems to be his end game like oh she's my girlfriend and we hold hands and kiss sometime yay yeah yeah
4: yeah, so I don't know. it this just it, it didn't it didn't it needed to either change more or to be like an actual controlled experiment when you're kind of like really aware of using the same tropes with the same characters. There is a moment with um whatever what do they call Jessica in this? Jeremy? Yeah. Where it's like after he had he goes off with Bella and I think it's I I mean after Bo goes off with Edith for the dinner and I think it's supposed to be like a boy going, Yeah, man, did you get some? Blah 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 because Jessica's slash Jeremy's gross. Yeah. But which by the way comes off as gross when it's a boy, even though it's kind of funny if you're imagining Anna Kendrick or whatever, you know.
1: Right. Jeremy is such a downgrade from Jessica. Exactly. But
4: But so that was like, I felt like that was her trying to do guy talk and I was like, oh my God, just stop.
1: There was a part, and we talked to Sam about this before recording and it didn't make it into the episode, but Bo Beau- talks a lot about man code like he won't kiss and tell because of man code Uh and i was like that's gross like i've never heard anyone say man code i feel like it's (laughs) bro code or guy code yeah and samuel confirmed that he has heard man code but my things were much more commonly used among bros
3: okay
1: so stephanie Meyer talked with some bros it's weird when your teenage protagonist is invoking man code all the time. That, like, to me, man code sounds like what Tim Allen has on his show. Oh
4: my god, this show. <laughs> that has not <laughs> been on
1: for twenty years.
4: No, it's <laughs> a, show now. This is a show that's on now that's exactly the same. He does. Uh, yeah, isn't Last Man Standing? I think it's still on.
1: Oh, okay. Well, anyway, Bo Bo invokes man code for why he doesn't want to talk about sex, but also we're in his head, and he just doesn't want to talk about it yeah, <laughs> at <yeah>. all. <laughs> so not didn't really work yeah so i mean it's interesting because i think stephanie meyer like what she was referring to the criticism was like a getting rescued and being a damsel in distress and that was just because she was a human and like so we did see Bo needing to be rescued uh-huh. but she inadvertently i think showed this whole other thing that was going on where it does matter <laughs> Uh gender (laughs) right because it's
4: like oh they think he's a cop that makes sense that's (sighs) totally not like a a random almost sexual assault that's different (sighs) i mean author stephanie
1: meyer she tried
4: (laughs) she did she i i give her credit for the try
1: okay um next question stephanie meyer also says there were two characters in the wider twilight universe who really got the shaft in an ongoing sense so instead of doing a swap with these two characters, I gave them a coup. What do you think she is talking about?
4: I assume that's about Aro like getting murdered and a like, lady whose name I didn't even remember from the first book was in charge of the Volturi. So it's like, I think the Volturi are nicer in this universe. But then on the other hand, it's like there's no Michael Sheen with a terrible wig. And, like, I don't want to lose Aro for that reason.
1: Oh, I so didn't I... even think of that. Wait, oh, hang on. Okay. What happened with Aro in this? I was kind of skimming oh. the Volturi parts. To be oh, honest. no, that uh, Aro,
4: whatever some lady vampire had murdered. Like, I guess I guess in the original backstory that I didn't even remember, Aro had murdered somebody's wife, like, like whatever the other old guy was. And they had decided to roll together. So in this version... The wife murders Aro, and she's the one of the so like the lead Volturi are like two ladies and a guy instead of three guys or something like that. Oh, but That's I also thought I also thought that they didn't um, they didn't swap Edward's father in the backstory, and that the dad actually gets murdered in this one, which I think in the first one it doesn't specify what happened
1: to to the parent. Oh. That's not really a coup, though.
4: No, I know. So I didn't. <laughs> that was when I was confused. I was like, because that's what I thought she meant. And then I got to the thing about the Volturi at the end, and that must have been it. So I don't know. I feel like whatever the, I, whenever um Stephanie Meyer comes out with like whatever the source code role playing book for the wider <laughs> Twilight universe is, I'm down for that because there's so much like awesome potential there. But um, yeah. So whatever. That's what I think. I think it was some kind of um. So, so, but there's no RO in this right
0: well that answers a question that we have had since <laughs> so we no, read
4: nobody else could figure it out that's what I think they were getting at yeah
0: Cause, well then I started
1: thinking about like who in the Twilight Universe got the shaft
4: well I, and... I assume Leah but that doesn't have to do with her being gender swapped
1: right exactly and then also she said it was a minor character which isn't Leah yeah. but I do think Leah got the shaft and I would like a coup for Leah In the Twilight fanfiction that I'm writing called Julie of the Werewolves. (laughs) Yes. Look for it on fanfiction.net. Never. I'm never going to do it, but
0: I'll think about it for a while. It's not even worthy of AO3.
4: You know, if that shows up like in the next year and like you didn't write it, nobody will believe you. (laughs) Like some fan is going to secretly write that. So, worst bestsellers fan, somebody
1: set up a google See? alert for it right right because right, well, yeah. i'll tell you after after i made the joke about julia the werewolves earlier i was like oh someone must have already done this and I, there if you do it in quotes there are no hits on google for julia the werewolves
0: that's just wrong
1: no one has talked about this at all <laughs> this
0: could be your hamilton this is what thought everyone should have done but no one has like I couldn't believe there wasn't already a musical about this guy.
4: That was not a Lynn impression if I don't know who who whose voice I was trying to do there, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lynn Manuel Miranda. Please come on Worst Best Sellers and refute what I just said.
1: <laughs> oh, it's all happening. <laughs> That's a quote from bring it on the musical or just a common saying also. Everything is connected. (laughs) Okay. Next question. Uh, Here's where we get into the mathematical breakdown. Stephanie Meyer says 5% of the changes made were because Bo is a boy. 5% were because Bo is less angry and quote more OCD than Bella 70% were because she got to fix every word that has bothered her since the original publication. 10% were things she wished she had done the first time but hadn't occurred to her at the time. 5% mythology mistakes, um, especially about Alice's visions. And 5% catch-all. How would you break down the changes?
4: I mean, I'm really bad at math, so I think it was 50% fixing stuff that wasn't broken and 50% breaking stuff that wasn't fixed. <laughs> so <laughs> That was kind of – and I did – but I had an actual – because I said to mention in the um, intro that I used to teach creative writing briefly – And some of the stuff where it was, she said she was just rewriting it for style. I was like, you're just, it actually, I can see that there's individual sentences where somebody might've said, okay, here's what's wrong with your sentence, fix it. And they just ended up to be, fix it to something more boring and not still not actually good writing. And the actual, the example I found is that there is a, there's a scene where early on where I think when Edward first comes out to Bella and says you must be Bella Swan and she's like she doesn't know how to respond and the Senate says I couldn't think of anything conventional to say which is just like weird nobody would use that and then what they actually changed it to in the new book is I couldn't think of anything normal to say which I'm like yeah that's probably a little bit better word choice but I actually kinda like that like Bella uses weird words that aren't really appropriate (laughs) because I don't think that Stephanie Meyer necessarily did that on purpose, but I think it does actually add to the feeling in the first book that you're just reading some weird girl's blog, which is what I liked about <laughs> it. So I feel like when you're actually like fixing some of those sentences, it's still kind of boring writing, but it doesn't have as much of a voice to it, even if it's a weird voice. Does that make any sense?
1: Yes. And also, I th- I think that a lot of what she changed were kind of the most iconic parts of Original Twilight, because I feel like she knew that those had become a, a joke in a lot of, play- you know, like Dazzling uh-huh. and um, like, You're My Own Brand of Heroin. Like, actually, wait, is that still in there? The heroin thing might still be in there. It- the heroin, the heroin is was
0: still in there. But the a lot of the done. other...
1: The three, the three things she knew for certain. A lot of those really iconic things that have been sort of parodied are gone and rewritten in a way that I think is not better. And so I think that was maybe her just being like, "Stop making fun of me," or yeah, I don't know. But it didn't. I, work yeah, there. like I, I
0: really feel like for those, it was kind of. I'm. She was probably tired of hearing people mock them, but at the same time, like I completely relate to this. There have absolutely been things in things that I have written, that people not even making fun of, but that people have latched onto so much that I particularly didn't care for in the first place. And I just got sick of hearing people talk about it. And if I could go back in time, I would erase it. You know, but but the problem with doing that to such a huge franchise is like, yes, everyone makes fun of the dazzling and makes fun of the sparkling. But for probably like, 75% of her genuine audience they love those things they love that part of it and it's iconic in its own way so changing it just makes it really bland
1: Mm -hmm. exactly (sighs) all right well next up caroline do you prefer the ending of original twilight or the ending of life and death oh they're both so bad (laughs) (laughs) which occasion do you prefer I mean
4: well actually the the actual end of Life and Death actually made me really mad because they try to like fit all okay, though so there's several things. They try to fit all of the werewolf stuff into one yes. chapter and I'm like, I just I want it to end. I don't care. And That's why
1: we need Julia the werewolves.
4: <laughs> and the like no, I would totally have read the girl game werewolf story. I was yes. like, yeah, that was that would have been awesome, but that clearly wasn't what we're getting. Oh, and plus there is the um the whole, like, thing about them, her watching her funeral and never telling her parents what happened know, to her. I know, I
1: know, I know. Because that was one of the things from the original series that had been so upsetting, the idea that she would never see them. And then I was so happy when she, like, figured it out. Or really when Jacob figured yeah. it out.
4: Yeah, as much as I am not a fan of Jacob, the moment he's like, "Look, I'm just going to turn into a werewolf and Charlie can deal with it."
1: Spoiler for whatever we do, Breaking Dawn or whatever that's from. Yeah, spoiler for podcast 2018.
4: But yes, so 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 yeah, I hate it. I mean, the the ending of the first one, although I looked. Back at my Goodreads, from when I was reading Twilight, and apparently at some point, like after the bad vampires start chasing them, I'm like, "This is getting exciting." I'm like, "When did I ever think that?" <laughs> because this time, I will get to the part that was cool, but other than that one cool part, it's just like, okay, they're traveling, they're going to hotels, they're blah, and then I'm like, "Oh yeah, there's the one like plot twist with the videotape and her mom's not really there or whatever." But it's just it's, and that's in both books actually, so it's kind of pointless. So. The, the original one is boring, and it just kind of sets up a sequel, but it's not, like, actively offensive, whereas this ending is just dumb and trying to cram too much stuff in there. So,
0: I don't See, mind. Her. I I did like the ending. Oh, yeah? I I liked, and I mean, it. it could be because I haven't read the other books, so I don't care about them. I'm not right, sure, invested man. in the stories that happen in those uh-huh. books, but I really like the idea of them cutting out all of that... Totally fair. Waiting and stretching it out over these books and just cutting to the chase. And I like the idea that from here we can – and I like the idea that from here we can have them go do something in theory more exciting than just – what we have in the oh you know he loves me but he loves me too much so he's pretending that he doesn't love me so he runs away and then i meet this other boy and i don't really like him but he likes me and da-da-da-da-da. like i i like that it's like okay this story is complete we've put a bow on it now let's have them go have vampire adventures
4: okay yeah fair i mean i i i like that kate's Kate's argument for this one being better is now there don't have to be any more Twilight books.
1: But there do. There has to be Julia the Werewolves. Yes,
4: exactly, exactly. See, this is true. The whole Just the whole thing about the werewolves and like, hey, the Cullens or whatever their name is in this have left town, yay.
1: But it's true also because I was thinking, I was like, well, I would happily skip Eclipse and then I was like, wait, no, Eclipse was all of Jasper and I love that. Right, but then right. I was like, wait, no, in this world we could just have a whole Jasper book. Which would be oh, the yeah. Jessamine book, which I would Just, read. Yeah, yeah, Lady Werewolf, uh, I mean, Lady Vampire Civil War Troops. Oh my god. Just as long as the accent is equally terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless <laughs> which you. Which I guess is only in the movie and not in the book. But in my head, it retroactively was in the book. Totally. <laughs> oh, good, times. good times. All right, last question. What is your moral of the story? And do you have any other closing thoughts about Twilight um,
4: Life and Death? The moral of the story is um, everybody knows that you can't improve on perfection, but sometimes you can't really improve on mediocrity either. <laughs> sometimes mediocrity is just the right mediocrity that doesn't need to be changed. Fair. That's my last.
1: One. Uh, okay, N- nothing else to say about. Uh, th- yeah, you got it.
4: <laughs> nailed it. <laughs>
1: Stuck the landing. Hands in the air on this audio
0: medium. Paul Gross Arms.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Caroline. You're welcome.
0: And our next guest joining us is Amy, who once drove all the way to Forks, Washington for spring break.
1: Hi, Amy. Hello.
0: (laughs) Welcome back to the podcast, Amy thank you
3: i'm excited to be
0: back amy if you'll remember was on our episode about greg gutfield gutfield i think that's gutfeld. gutfeld but also i do
1: not care about him enough to look up how no. to properly
0: pronounce his name it's a shitty political book don't read it from fox news yes anyway now she's here with us to talk about <laughs> twilight But first of all, this is Twilight Related still. Tell me about Forks.
1: Did you go on, like, a tour?
3: I did not go on a tour. Me and my friend Jessica, who had, like, devoured the books. The the original series, like, got me through my last semester of college. Um, We drove up to the olympic peninsula which is usually how we uh label that trip anymore but the truth is that we went to forks washington and we did like we went hiking and we went to like the beach that they go to and it Love was push. beautiful yep mm-hmm. um but we definitely stayed in forks washington and bought copies of the first twilight dvd nice, and they have special stickers on them that say purchased in forks washington
1: (laughs) this morning i drank my coffee out of a mug that says it's always twilight in forks washington but i have not been a friend of mine got it for me from the seattle airport because you don't even have to go all the way to forks to buy twilight shit
3: no but it was it was adorable it was a cute little town and we did over here when we were in one of the restaurants some waitresses talking about, like, how basically this series brought the town back to life, like, financially, which was really
0: kind of sweet. Nice. Good good for it, I guess. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me how, like, back in the day, whenever people would come to New York to go see Rent... Oh my god! You would always, like, go downtown before or after the show, depending on when you saw it, and, like, go to the Life Cafe and go to the corner where their apartment is supposed to be and where, like, the vacant lot is, and that was just a thing.
1: Yeah, that... I, I did that with you, Kate, when I went to New York.
0: <laughs> you did. Many people did.
1: Yeah, somewhere I've got some, like, photos that were printed as actual photo prints of us in those places. But next we'll have to go to Forks and yes. also Volterra. Oh, yeah. After that amazing BBB. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're, yeah, we, we've got to start fundraising for that Worst <laughs> World Tour.
3: <laughs> um, I would definitely contribute to that.
1: <laughs> but until then, I guess let's start discussing Twilight Life and Death. Uh, we're, we're back with the same set of questions for Amy. And our first one is... Stephanie Meyer's stated goal with life and death was to show that it doesn't matter what gender Bella is. It matters that it's a love story between a human and a vampire. Did she accomplish this goal? Why or why not?
3: I mean, no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, like, that's not... I mean, she says that, but that's not at all what she's trying to prove. In her super defensive intro, she's like... It doesn't matter that Bella gets rescued too many times, and then, I don't know, it's really not, she doesn't make a point. But my two things that are the main arguments about this is that one, just from a purely scientific method approach, it's not a sound experiment. She would need to change Bella and Edward's genders and no one else's.
0: Hmm that's a good point
3: like it doesn't make any sense and uh, because you know it just i mean that's just straightforward scientific method it's true
1: a lot of other variables and you can't change the ending
3: oh my god sorry my cat is about to get sick
1: oh this is well we're sorry for your cat but this is a pet friendly podcast yes oh that's a familiar sound (laughs) (laughs)
3: i'm so glad you guys could hear it uh twilight
1: makes makes people sick literally by people i mean cats yeah and that's fine by people i mean cats always i mean obviously
3: okay are you done cj i think she's done
1: (laughs) one thing we've been discussing also is just the her original point was that people complained about Bella being needing to be rescued and being, you know, like a fragile human and not a vampire. But what Kate and I kind of noticed is what really changed more was the romantic dynamic between Bo and Edith. It felt much more different than the actual like vampire threat felt different.
3: Yeah, it's like there's a lot of other changes she makes that are that are sort of at least from a certain view, understandable after changing the genders, but that really alter the whole relationship. Like, it's very strange that Edith is, like, tiny.
1: Yeah, I would love to see a movie of just their piggyback ride.
3: (laughs) Yeah, like, why why isn't she just roughly the same size as him? Like, she just makes a lot of other changes that... Don't seem necessary. But also, if she had genuinely just changed their genders and nothing else, it would have been even more boring than it
1: was. (laughs) Fair. All right. Stephanie Meyer also says, There were two characters in the wider Twilight universe who really got the shaft in an ongoing sense. So instead of doing a swap with these characters, I gave them a coup. What do you think she is talking
3: about? I have no idea. Okay like off like either.
1: i <laughs> we didn't either. Caroline thought maybe it was the Volturi members, but i it didn't really seem like Guess. they had gotten the shaft.
3: And was there really anything very different?
1: Okay, i did not notice this, but according to Caroline, yes, there was something about one of the one of them killed his wife, but and now that didn't happen.
0: And instead, the wife killed him, I think, and oh. and then became the Volturi instead. And I guess the other Volturi's genders didn't change.
1: Yeah, or
3: I mean, change? I noticed that that like two of them were still men, and the other one was a woman. But I I don't know whether I like skimmed that part.
1: I definitely <laughs> skimmed it. Uh, all right, so Stephanie, we don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs>
3: i'm sad i thought you guys were gonna know
1: well i mean i think caroline's guess is sound i just didn't uh uh, do you want me to actually google it right now yeah do that please
0: so that we don't keep our uh (laughs) listeners hanging
1: (laughs) yeah you look that up and i'll move on and ask amy our next question which is stephanie meyer says five percent of the change is made or because beau is a boy 5% 5% were because Bo is less angry and, quote, more OCD than Bella. 70% were because she got to fix every word that has bothered her since the original publication. 10% were things she wished she had done the first time but hadn't occurred to her at the time. 5% fixing mythology mistakes. And 5% catch-all. What's your breakdown of the changes? Um,
3: Definitely not her breakdown. <laughs> so I said... Like maybe five percent mythology, five percent stuff she wishes she'd done the first time, which I don't really know which things those are, but whatever. um, and then I said forty percent was an editing run, and that breakdown is because I think fifty percent of the changes are because Bo is a boy, mm-. And I know that um, everyone else probably doesn't hate themselves as much as me, but I actually, for the first, like, hundred pages or so, did a lot of, like, direct text comparison.
1: Well, there was stuff that I was like, is this different? And I would flip back and check. And a lot of, there were things that I thought were a change, and then I flipped
3: back and it turned out I was just misremembering. Well, most of mine were, like, language things that she changed that were so that were unnecessary changes that were only because beau was a boy the first night that he stays at charlie's he was like i tossed and turned until i finally fell asleep well bella sobbed until she fell asleep Mm. and there are other ones that are just like stuff. It's just very much more, like, girl versus boy. Yeah, it says, even after I finally got my head to shut up, and Bella says that Bella cried, like, until she finished crying. Yeah, well, boys don't cry. Yeah, they, they clearly don't. And then one of the other ones, or two, a couple of the other ones I checked were after, like, they go on their little date or whatever, after Edith saves his life.
1: Yeah. And the next from the mor- from the random
3: bad guys who think he's a cop. God, I it's that part is so ridiculous on every level. <laughs> but um yeah, the next morning she picks him up and brings him back and um in Bella's version, her friends are just like, "Oh my gosh, what happened? Oh my gosh, what did he say? Are you guys going to go on another date?" And both friends are like, "So you guys slept together, right?" Yeah. Which, like, is really dumb. I mean, they're in high school. Like, if you show up in somebody's car in the morning, it's because they gave you a ride, not because you were shacking up.
1: I don't know. The Collins are very mysterious and sexy.
3: I guess. And then, of course, Charlie, um, like, throws a fit when Bella tells him that she's dating Edward. But Charlie is just like, oh... You're dating Edith Cullen. She's so pretty, which is I guess just more one of the flaws with not changing Charlie to a woman.
1: Yeah, one one of the changes that I did not care for was that Charlie is like flustered by how hot Edith was.
3: Yeah, it's super uncomfortable, but to me at least it made sense because like cuz vampire. Yeah, cuz they're so they're supposed to be super attractive and yeah, but
1: I I definitely prefer the dynamic where Charlie like hated Edward.
3: Me too, and I think that if Charlie were Bo's mom, she could have been like, "That girl is kind of cold, isn't she too old for you?" Their family's really isolated. I don't know something aside from just girl. like fist bump. Your girlfriend's hot. Yeah. All right,
0: I have I have the answer. Whenever you guys are ready for it. Oh, I'm ready right now. Oh yeah. Okay. So apparently in the original Twilight, Sulpicia is made into a vampire by Arrow. Oh boy. And okay. he kills her sister-in-law. Her sister. No wait, her husband destroyed his sister. Her, he he kills her sister-in-law to keep Marcus one of the other Volturi from leaving the coven. In this version, Sulpicia witnesses him witnesses his plan and she turns him into marcus so marcus has the servant take his power and give it to sulpicia and then kills aro and then they also find out that cassius also helped kill the sister so he's also executed and she and Athenodora and marcus rule together was this all in the book i don't know That's what Life and Death Twilight reimagined on the Twilight Saga wiki tells me.
1: Well, that is, I think, what Caroline was describing. Yeah, I'm sure
3: that's right. Um,
1: Just that it made my brain shut down every time. Every time it
0: just sounds like Like, that.
3: We'll we'll include a link
1: to this wiki
0: page. (laughs) We'll include a link to this wiki page on the show page so that you can read it and parse it for yourself. (laughs)
3: <laughs> i did she think that anyone gave a shit about that
0: no where is my julie of the werewolves book please <laughs> that i will is a goddamn coop <laughs> I will say that I would not be surprised if there wasn't a small but vocal section of the fandom who totally got onto that right away because those were their favorite characters and they've written 700,000 words of fan fiction about them and they shit their pants when they read this. Oh, probably. 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 And I
1: mean, the
3: Vulturi, like, overall, if you're super into this fandom, are way more interesting than the central characters.
1: I only like them in the movies.
3: I mean, they're amazing in the movie. Yeah. So, All
1: right. Well, Kate, thank you for for that research that I've already yeah. forgotten. But <laughs> <laughs> like at the end of this, you could ask me and i have like, something with a Volturi. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so let's just move on to our next question, which is Amy. Do you prefer the ending of OG Twilight or the ending of Life and Death?
3: Ugh. Uh, <laughs> I prefer the ending of OG Twilight. Nice. This, I mean, just on the basic level, I, I don't know. I didn't care about this ending. I mean, obviously, it's way more boring than three more books of stuff.
0: <laughs> See, <laughs> <laughs> three more books. I actually like this ending because I feel like things happen and it leaves it open for more actual things to happen. Whereas I feel like not having read the other books, but having read yeah. Part of Breaking Dawn and New Moon, nothing happens in those books. Well, first of all, all how like dare you? My favorite books. so.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, um, earlier in this episode, we talked about how my immediate reaction was that, this cuts off needing those books. And yeah, I was upset because I love all the Jasper shit in Eclipse. But in this other world, we could theoretically have a whole separate book that's just about Jessamine's Civil War adventures, which I would be into. So assuming that we could still find a way to get that shit out there, that's mainly what I care about.
3: Yeah, well, I guess sort of where I ended up was that at least Bella, I don't know, like, like really did get to make her choice. That's true. Like, with a lot of time and people, specifically Edward, like, trying to talk her out of it and explaining all the sides, and she got to sort of make her peace in some way, and she gets to, like, still hang out with her dad.
0: Right. Yeah, no, that's like legit. That Let me make it clear. You are no way in the minority. <laughs> I am... Oh, yeah, I'm, I mean... As the only person who hasn't read all the Twilight books, <laughs> I think I'm the only person who likes this ending better. I mean, and. I think really what the letdown for me was
3: with this ending was that even though I knew there wouldn't be other books or at least like hoped there wouldn't be other books with this switch, considering this is basically the same book, um, I like I thought there were a lot of interesting implications to the gender changes for like the rest of the story that happens in the other books, like with the pack and like one of the things I thought about would be really interesting was because there ends up being one girl in the pack.
1: Yeah. And there's some
3: interesting stuff about, like, why that happened. And I was like, well, what if it's the other way around? Well, what kind of? Not that she necessarily would have done a good job, but I just thought those were interesting questions. And this, for me, was just sort of like, okay, well, never mind.
1: (laughs) Fair enough. All right. Amy, what's your moral of the story here? And any other closing thoughts you've got about life and death?
3: The moral of the story overall for me, I guess, is that changing a character's gender inherently changes the story, which is, you know, maybe not the story's moral of the story, but it's the one that I think Stephanie Meyer should have taken from this. Because I guess, like, as far as closing thoughts, really, it was interesting sort of the different things of, like, internalized misogyny and, like, the different ways that I reacted to the same decisions from the characters once their genders were changed and also stuff that was changed that she changed in the book based on the gender changes it just like it changes everything which as soon as i read her introduction that was my immediately thought my immediate thought was that changing the genders makes it inherently a different story
1: yeah, it made me feel like Stephanie Meyer didn't fully understand why people were criticizing Twilight and she was just like, oh, I get it, this is why, and I'll show them. And she showed us something totally different.
3: Yeah. And it and was very
1: interesting, but I don't think it was quite the effect she was going for.
3: No, not at all. And, you know, there, like I said, there were, just, there were changes she made based on the gender, like when Bo almost faints from the blood in biology class, edith does not like fireman carry him <laughs> to the nurse's office which would have been amazing totally but so yeah and also just you know that the other moral i guess is that you can make a lot of money selling the same book twice oh for <laughs>
1: sure <laughs> all right well amy thank you so much for joining us and sharing your thoughts on this
0: literary phenomenon
3: you're welcome
0: And now for our final guest, a young, scrappy, and hungry orphan immigrant from the middle of the Caribbean, Duarte. Hi, Duarte.
1: Hi, Duarte. By the way, for anyone who does not know uh, the story of my cat, Duarte, he is, in fact, a young, scrappy, and hungry orphan immigrant from the middle of the Caribbean, because I found him when I was a Peace Corps volunteer in the Dominican Republic, and I brought him home with me. So he is a little immigrant cat. Just in case you didn't know and you thought that was somehow, like, making fun of immigrants or something, like, no. He is literally an immigrant cat. And he has opinions about literature. Much like Alexander Hamilton. It's exactly the same.
0: Basically yeah. the same person slash cat.
1: Yeah, um, if, if Duarte could get his hand on a pistol, he would be dueling everybody all the time. <laughs> so it's a good thing that he can't. Alright, Duarte... Which two characters in the Twilight universe do you think were given a coup instead of being gender swapped? That's really perceptive, Dorte. I did not think that you would have gotten that.
0: Yeah, I mean, congratulations on being the only person really besides Caroline to understand what she even meant by that. But, you know, you nailed it.
1: I guess all that just lying around on the couch all day while I'm at work, I guess you have been productive. So, And I'm sorry, I know that you hated everything else about the book. I'm sorry, but thank you so much for reading it and for sharing your wisdom
0: with us. It's true. I mean, we understand that if they had turned into cats instead of werewolves, you would have liked it more, but alas.
1: Yeah, maybe that could be another change for Julia the Werewolves. Maybe it will be like Julia the Werepanthers. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Dorite, you, you can use my computer on my work. You can write your own Twilight fan fiction. I look forward to reading it. <laughs> All right.
0: Thanks, Duarte. Bye. And now for our dramatic readings. Our first dramatic reading is going to be the infamous meadow scene from the life and death perspective. Uh, Samuel will be reading the part of Bo, and Renata will be reading the part of Edith. I'm
1: so excited.
2: Eyes closed, Edith stepped blindly into the light. My heart jumped into my throat and I started sprinting toward her. Edith! It was only when her eyes flashed open and I got close enough to begin to understand what I was seeing that I realized she hadn't caught on fire. Side note, are there supposed to be commas there? She threw up her hand again, palm forward, and I stumbled to, the, to a stop, almost falling to my knees. The light blazed off her skin, danced in prism-like rainbows across her face and neck, down her arms. She was so bright that I had to squint, like I was trying to stare at the sun. I thought about falling to my knees on purpose. This was the kind of beauty you worshipped the kind you built temples for and offered sacrifices to. I wished I had something in my empty hands to give her, but what would a goddess want from such a mediocre mortal like me? It took me a while to see you past her incandescence to the expression on her face. She was watching me with wide eyes. It almost looked like she was afraid of something. I took a step toward her, and she cringed just slightly. Does that hurt you? I whispered. No. She whispered back. I took another step toward her. She was the magnet again, and I was just a helpless piece of dull metal. She let her warning hand drop to her side. As she moved, the fire shimmered down her arm. Slowly, I circled around her, keeping my distance, just needing to absorb this to see her from every angle. The sun played off her skin, refracting and magnifying every color light could hold. My eyes were adjusting, and they opened wide with wonder. I knew that she'd chosen her clothes with care, that she'd been determined to show me this. But the way she held herself now, shoulders tight, legs braced, made me wonder if she wasn't second-guessing the decision now. I finished my circle, then closed the last few feet between us. I couldn't stop staring, even to blink. Edith.
1: Are you scared now?
2: She whispered, no. She stared searchingly into my eyes, trying to hear what I was thinking. I reached toward her, deliberately unhurried, watching her face for permission. Her eyes opened even wider, and she froze. Carefully, slowly... I let my fingertips graze the glistening skin on the back of her arm. I was surprised to find it just as cold as ever. While my fingers were touching her, the reflections of the fire flickered against my skin, and suddenly my hand wasn't mediocre anymore. She was so astonishing that she could make even me less ordinary.
1: What are you thinking?
2: She whispered. I struggled to find words. I am... I didn't... know I took a deep breath, and the words finally came. I have never seen anything more beautiful, never imagined anything so beautiful could exist. Her eyes were still wary, like she thought I was saying what she wanted to hear. But it was only the truth, maybe the truest, most uncensored thing I'd ever said in my life. I was too overwhelmed to filter or pretend. She started to lift her hand, then drop it. The shimmer flared.
1: It's very strange, though,
2: she murmured. Amazing, I breathed.
1: Aren't you repulsed by my flagrant lack of humanity?
2: I shook my head, not repulsed. Her eyes narrowed.
1: You should
2: be. I'm feeling like humanity is pretty overrated.
1: So true, Beau. So true. Alright, so that's the that's the meadow scene, tragically not dazzling, but it's, it's got its own charms.
0: I can't believe she took the dazzling out. I know, what
2: the fuck? Also, I just gotta say that sentence, it was only when her eyes flashed open and I got close enough to begin to understand what I was seeing that I realized she hadn't caught on fire is not a good sentence. (laughs) But it's made worse (laughs) by the fact that the only punctuation is the period at the end, and there are no commas, there is no pause. It it's just not good. It's not good.
1: Yeah, I'm still trying to parse it. Like, ever since you asked when you were reading it the first time, like, should I have commas? I was looking at it. I was like, I don't even know where I'd put a comma. It was, only, it was only when her eyes flashed open, maybe open comma, and I got close enough to begin to understand what I was seeing. Comma? That I realized she hadn't caught on fire. Yeah, I probably could have used some in there somewhere.
2: Or it could have been rewritten in about five different ways.
1: Yeah, or, or that.
2: Yeah. Anyway.
1: She tried. By she, I mean Stephanie Meyer, but also Edith.
2: I know that Edith tried. Um, I'm sure there were points where Stephanie Meyer tried. <laughs> this is not one of them, I don't think.
1: <laughs> All right, well, thanks again for joining us, Samuel. And we'll move on to our next dramatic reading. Okay. So our next dramatic reading is toward the end of the book when they're explaining to Bo What are they explaining? Why Archie loves him. Why Archie loves him. And they have just previously explained some stuff about like how vampires work and how Edith's tweaking out about the bad vampires, blah, blah, blah.
4: So yeah, this is when they're all in the hotel and hiding... And Archie and Jessamine are taking care of Edith. Oh, not of Edith, of whatever. what the, Of Bo. Bo, thank you.
1: Of Boy Bella. Yeah. This is something that has changed from original Twilight. I mean, they still were in the hotel, but this conversation's pretty different.
4: And I think this is here partly to just kind of expand Archie's role in this since Alice doesn't really have a big role until the second book. And then also to explain Alice's powers better because we're all interested in
1: that. Right. And that's something, yeah, that's something Stephanie Meyer said in the introduction that later on she'd realized how Alice's powers work and that she put them in the first book wrong. So here we go. (laughs) Okay. So um, for this, Caroline will be Archie, aka Alice, and Kate will be Bo, aka Bella, and I will be Jessamine, or Jessamine, Jessamine. Jessamine, I think.
0: Oh, I'll
1: be be Jessam, a.k.a. Jasper. (laughs) Okay. And here we go. You know
4: I do this anyway, even if Edith hadn't asked me to. Why? It's hard to explain without sounding slightly schizophrenic. Time doesn't mean the same thing to me that it does to you, or Jess, or anyone else.
0: Jessamine grinned and tweaked his ear.
4: So this won't make sense to you. But for me, it's like we've already been friends for a long time, Bo. The first second you became a part of Edith's life, for me, it was like we'd already spent hundreds of hours together. We've laughed at Edith's sober reactions together. We've annoyed Royal right out of the house together. We've stayed up all night talking with Corrine together.
0: I stared and he
4: shrugged. It's how I experienced
0: the world. We're friends? I asked, my voice full of wonder. Best friends. Someday.
4: It was nice of my favorite sister, don't you think? to fall in love with my best friend i guess i owe her one
0: huh was all i could think to say archie laughed jessamine rolled her eyes thanks so much archie i just got him calm no i'm good i promised archie could be lying to make me feel better but either way it worked it wasn't so bad if archie wanted to help me too if he wasn't just doing it for edith so what do we do now i asked we wait for something to change it was a very long day we stayed in the room Archie called down to the front desk and asked them to suspend our housekeeping service the curtains stayed shut the TV on though no one watched it at regular intervals food was delivered for me it was funny how I was suddenly comfortable with Archie it was like his vision of our friendship spoken out loud had made it real He sat in the chair next to the sofa where I sprawled and answered questions I had been too nervous to ask before. Sometimes he'd answer them before I asked them. It was a little weird, but I figured that was how everyone else felt around Edith all the time. Yes, he said when I thought about asking him that.
4: It's exactly the same. She tries hard not to be obnoxious about it.
0: He told me about waking up.
4: I only remembered one thing, but I'm not even sure it was a memory. I thought I remembered someone saying my name... Calling me Archie? But maybe I was remembering something that hadn't happened yet, seeing that someday someone would call me Archie.
0: He smiled at my expression. I know. It's a circular
4: dilemma, isn't it?
0: The hair? He ran a hand over his scalp, unselfconscious. The stubble was just long enough to see that his hair would have been dark brown, nearly black like his eyebrows.
4: It was a rather extreme look for 1920. A little too early for me to have been a skinhead, thank heavens. My best guess is disease or bad behavior.
0: Bad behavior? I asked. He shrugged.
4: I might have been in prison.
0: You couldn't have been much older than me, I protested. He steepled his fingers thoughtfully.
4: I'd like to believe that if I was a criminal, I was both a mastermind and a prodigy.
0: Yeah,
1: Archie. So, I guess their hair doesn't grow after they become vampires? Right, no, they they mentioned that in original Twilight because okay. Edward threatens to cut Rosalie's hair in rage, oh. and it won't grow back.
4: Uh huh. I just didn't really notice that until so so, so how do, how does that explain like Alice's like weird spiky do?
1: In... Well, I know. So I was wondering that, and I hope that you would know um, if there was any explanation for that for alice i'm pretty sure not because i I, some of the stuff might have moved
4: into different places but i don't remember anything about that
1: i mean she definitely wasn't a criminal but she was in an asylum also so maybe it was some kind of like lice situation or something
0: that plus i mean i guess if her Mm -hmm. hair was long it could always be that she cut it short oh it won't ever be long again but now it's short Right.
4: right well alice would have like like fashionable wigs and stuff anyway so I'm, oh. Archie probably has fashionable wigs. So oh I
1: hope so <laughs> and hats I hope he has a lot of hats
4: <laughs> oh all the hats
1: <laughs> all right well thank you again Caroline You're for welcome. this lovely dramatic reading
0: for our final dramatic reading we're going to read a little bit from the epilogue which is really the meat of the difference of the book um, and this is towards the end as at right after edith has proposed to Bo, or vice versa or simultaneous or whatever and they're getting ready to move on with the next stage of their vampire lives so amy will be playing the role the role of Bo, and the narration and i will be playing the role of edith but there could have been
3: a better goodbye I didn't want to think about what my last words to Charlie were, but they were constantly on my mind. It was the biggest regret I had. I was glad the memory wasn't sharp, and I only hoped it would fade more with time. What if we had gotten married? You know, graduated together, put in a few years at college, then had a great big wedding where we invited everyone we knew, let them all see us happy together, give really sappy speeches, have a reason to tell everyone how much we love them? then go away back to school somewhere far away she
0: sighed that sounds nice but you end up with a double funeral in the end maybe maybe we'd be
3: really busy for a year and when i'm mature when i'm a mature vampire and all under control i could see them again right she said rolling her eyes
0: and then all we have to worry about is never aging and getting on the bad side of the Volturi, and I'm sure that would end well.
3: Okay, okay, you're right. There's no other version. I'm sorry, she said quietly again. Either way, though, Edith, if I hadn't been dumb enough to run off and meet that tracker... She hissed, but I kept talking. It would only have delayed things. We still end up here. You're the life I chose. She smiled, slowly at first, but then suddenly her smile was huge and dimpled.
0: It feels like my life never had a point until I found you. You're the life I was waiting for.
3: I took her face in my hands and kissed her while the branch swayed back and forth under us. I never could have imagined a life like this. There was a heavy price to pay, but one I would have chosen to pay even if I had all the time in the world to consider
1: that's the end of our dramatic reading so thank you amy for joining us
3: you're welcome thank you for having me
1: all right thanks so much again to samuel caroline and amy for joining us for this very special episode about twilight life and death and we promise that we'll be back to our regular format again next time kate do you have any closing thoughts that haven't been mentioned thus far
0: I I think really my only closing thought is that I wonder how much my, me as being a person who has not read the other Twilight books changed my perception of this one, both while reading it and while talking about what could potentially come after and the ending and all of that. Yeah, I've just been thinking about that. I don't know that I have any, any real conclusions about it, but uh, I do think that it's interesting and probably the two things are related
1: maybe yeah i don't know i don't have any further thoughts about that yeah Um. i guess
0: another thing i do have further thoughts about is that i am so mad at myself at the lengths that i still continue to go to to defend stephanie meyer and i want it to end I know.
1: but also one thing that we didn't mention yet was because we've been kind of joking about her making more money with this and all this but one thing that we didn't mention that is cool is that Stephanie Meyer supports women directors and other women writers in her work. And that's pretty cool.
0: It is. I am really interested in her philanthropic works. Um, I remember reading an article about that. I guess it was it was a while ago just like highlighting all of this little known stuff that she does to support other people with all of the gazillions of dollars she's made from this franchise, which, you know, I think is interesting and I'm happy that that's happening.
1: Yeah. We can, we can turn up a link about that and post it somewhere. Such as our website, worstbestsellers.com is mainly (laughs) what I mean by somewhere. I might put it other places just for fun. (laughs) It'll be hidden. You'll have to find it. (laughs) I'm sending you on a treasure hunt to find it. Guys, I'm sorry. We have spent hours talking about Twilight to put this together. And I am just like loopy now. Like, this is the end of my Twilight rope that you are getting right now. (laughs) We are a professional
0: podcast. We are. We're super professional. (laughs) Just like cereal.
1: We're exactly like cereal and so you can find us at serial.org <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's, I don't think that's even the serial website. I think they're in NPR or somewhere. <laughs> but you can find
0: us for real at worstbestsellers.com. You can follow us on Twitter at worstbestseller with no s because serial has our s. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. They needed
1: it, and we were like, fine, you can have it. (laughs) You can also find us uh, in bags of mixed candy bars. (laughs) Inside every Ms. Good Bar (laughs) wrapper. There's a link to download.
0: (laughs) This is really gonna piss off that one person who left the review that we think our own jokes are too funny. Oh, that person...
1: That person is not listening anymore. (laughs) And neither is the person who hates our vocal fry. (laughs) But you're still listening. Whoever is hearing this. (laughs) And you can, if you're not already subscribed to us on iTunes, I don't really understand how you're listening to this podcast, but I guess there's other ways, such as through Stitcher. Which you can also subscribe to us on, and you should definitely leave us reviews there, celebrating our professionalism and <laughs> wit. <laughs> and if you don't, we're gonna take away all of your assorted candy bars. It's true, you are not
0: appreciating them. No, especially not the Ms. Good bars. <laughs>
1: okay. Um. In addition to all of our internet presence, oh, also you can follow me personally at, uh, on Twitter at Renata Snacks. And you can follow me personally at 14across. And our guests who were amazing and read this very long book with us, uh, we'd like to thank them again. Samuel does not have a public internet presence he'd like to share. However, if you are listening to this and you work in the admissions office at the University of Puget Sound, uh, you should definitely let him into your college, we think. Yep, uh, and give him a lot of money too. Yeah, um, you're probably already doing that even without hearing this, but just... We support you. Yep. Um, You can find Caroline online at fantasticfangirls.org and panels.net. And she is on Twitter at Caroline Pruitt. And Amy co-runs the Girl Gang Tumblr, which is jointhegirlgang.tumblr.com. You absolutely should join the Girl Gang. She also writes for panels.net. And you can follow her on Twitter at Amy D-I-E-G. Amy. And we will be back in two weeks with Gerald's game by Stephen King just a totally hashtag normal episode with yeah uh, with some weird sex stuff again getting back into our normal. <laughs> normal routine our hashtag brand <laughs> exactly <laughs> as christian mingle has demanded <laughs> there are sponsors and they're like you know we signed up for this weird sex stuff and i don't really know what you guys have been doing lately so you can get back on track with that <laughs> and thank you all so much for listening to all of this nonsense we appreciate it
0: yes we do <laughs> thank you bye, bye. <laughs>